Welcome to Wines We Drink, a podcast for wine lovers and learners. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, and together with my counterpart, Keith Herndon, we'll be exploring a new wine each week. Keith is a lover of wine, and I am a learner of wine, and we hope you'll continue learning and sipping along with us. Welcome, everyone, to the midpoint of the second season of Wines We Drink podcast. I'm Charlotte Norsworthy, and with me again this week, as always, is co-host and certified wine sommelier, Keith Herndon. Hello, Charlotte. Man, it's hard to believe that we've already made it to the midpoint of the season. Episode six is today. That is crazy. The summer is flying by, and the 4th of July is behind us. The heat, the heat. (laughs) <laughs> has settled in. Yeah, the the 4th of July celebration is behind us, but we're still in the 4th of July week, and I'm still in that celebratory mood. That's great to hear, because me too. Um, <laughs> our loyal listeners will recall from last year that we celebrated the midpoint of the season with some bubbly. So we're going to do that again this year. We're popping the cork on a wonderful sparkling wine this week. And if you want to check out last season's sparkling wine selection or any of the other episodes from last season, or this season, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also, you'll check out our uh, episode guide at winesweedrink.com. Subtle plug there. Yeah. Charlotte, we're going to do something a little different today with our selection. You know, usually I'm opening a bottle of wine that you've never tasted before, and we discuss your reactions as a first-time drinker of that wine. But today, however... You'll be drinking a sparkling wine you've had many times as a guest in our wine kitchen. Aha! I now understand where this is headed. Listeners, this is going to be fabulous, and for once, I am a seasoned veteran on the (laughs) wine in this episode. Yes, uh, today we're uncorking my personal favorite Napa Valley sparkling wine. It's called Solstice, and it's made by the Maryvale Winery in St. Helena. If there's a sparkling wine that I would call my house sparkler, this one is it. (laughs) That's a great phrase, the sparkler, especially for July 4th. Yeah, I mean, everyone, I've had this wine at many of Keith's celebrations. It's amazingly delicious. Um, You know, but Keith, at your parties, we've never taken the time to actually step back, actually discuss why you like the solstice so much. So I'm really curious and looking forward not only to drinking more of it today, but, but talking about it. You know, Charlotte, that's excellent. You know, b- before we pop the cork in a few minutes, uh, allow me to give our audience some some background. You know, first, this wine is made in the traditional champagne method, which means the bubbles are created through a secondary fermentation process that takes place inside the bottle. For our wine beginners, you know, it's important to note that although the wine is made in the traditional champagne style, we call it sparkling wine and not champagne because the name Champagne is reserved for only those sparkling wines produced in the Champagne region of France. Of course, there's lots of delicious champagnes on the market, but today we're highlighting this American sparkling wine from the Napa Valley. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, I finally learned, everyone, that the mantra that all champagnes are sparkling wines, but not all sparkling wines are champagne. You know, yeah, that's a good mantra to keep in mind as you learn about sparkling wine, <laughs> right? Today's bottle of Solstice that we're drinking is a non-vintage release, and, and it was made from a blend of Pinot Noir and Chardonnay that was harvested over many, uh, many years. It, it, it's a blend of, of grapes that were harvested in 2013, 2014, 2015, and 2016. Specifically, the mix is 
54% Pinot Noir and 46% Chardonnay. Wow, what what a scientific balance we have going on here. <laughs> uh, and so with this being technically a non-vintage wine, does the combination of all of these vintages tell us anything about how the wine should taste? You know, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. You know, the winemaker's notes about this uh, addresses it specifically. Uh, Jeff Crawford is the winemaker. Uh, he's also the winemaker at Maryville's sister label, Starmont Wines. Uh, but he said that he used the older vintages to add some complexity to the newer vintages, which were more fruit forward. So, you know, you've had this wine before, but when you taste it again, I, I think you'll agree that he got it right. You know, there is fruit, but there's also this complexity, and it really becomes this well-balanced blend. You know, it's a, it's a really nice uh, featuring of the, of the fruit and the complexity, and, and you get that sense that he knew what he was doing when he combined this uh, Chardonnay and this Pinot Noir and this mixture that he that he created. Mm, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to tasting this again with fresh taste buds. Um, and so, can we pour us a couple of glasses? Absolutely. Let's do it. Yes, and for our listeners, please know that I'm opening this bottle into a hand towel. <laughs> we don't want sparkling wine corks flying everywhere, you know. So safety first, okay? Okay. Always good to have that little sound of uh, sound of the sparkling wine. No, right? that's great. The pop is amazing. So now let's see the bubbles in the glass. I love the little kind. It's not smoke, but smoke-like <laughs> vapors coming out right after you pop. That's always super fun. Yes. You can hear the fizz. I'm sure. You know the 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 little foam is referred to as mousse. Mousse. I love that. I, I also eat moose when I celebrate, you know, <laughs> I, I drink bubbly when I celebrate, so uh, it only makes sense. You know, you're pouring in and as the, as the moose is dissipating, um, you know, you can, you can really see the sort of golden color of this beautiful bubbly and the big bubbles that are forming on the inside of the glass. Um, it just really looks like there's a party going on in there. You know, yes, I think the color of this particular sparkling wine is exquisite. You know, it just looks classy in the glass, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so so with sparkling wine, though, I want to remind everyone that before you taste that, you don't, and before you smell it, you don't actually swirl mm. sparkling wine. You know, you swirl still wine because you want to get that wine, that alcohol, and that that those aromas released, right? But the bubbles in sparkling wine are already releasing the aromatics. So swirling it will overdo it. Oh. And it would lead to a sense of flatness okay. in the wine. So without swirling this sparkling wine, go ahead and smell the wine for me and let me know what aromas come to mind. The layman's wine. No <laughs> swirling required. Mmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, again, keeping in theme with the white wines that we've had up until the halfway point here this season, I'm getting some lemony citrus. Um, I think that's more subdued than when I think of it against those other bright white wines that we've been tasting this season. You know, yes. You know, I think that was part of the stylistic decision of the winemaker. He wanted to dial back that citrus freshness, you know, that would come from the Chardonnay by blending it with that Pinot Noir. 
mm-hmm. you know? You know, the Pinot Noir brings forward some of the notes of tree fruits like like apple and, and other red fruits like strawberry, mm, right? Yeah. You know, so taste that first sip and, and see if, is it like you recall from the last time that you had this wine? <laughs> I know, I'm trying to reflect on memory here. I'll also say from smell, it's like there's a, a, a sort of butteriness <laughs> to it that feels very distinct. Cool. But yeah, let's go in for that sip. Oh, yes. It is as every bit as good as I remember. You know, I think my senses, though, are on higher alert. <laughs> Probably since we're recording. Um, but uh, so that, that being said, I'm going to go in for a second. Mm. Yeah. I've always loved the sort of berry, strawberry undertones that you get with this wine. Um, and, you know, there's also just the sort of tartness that isn't coming from acidity. It would be more so like like a tart cherry, you know. Uh, it's sort of hitting me square on the tongue. You know, sure, th- those are some great observations, Charlotte. You know, when I, when I drink this wine, I revel in the balance it has between the Chardonnay and the Pinot Noir grapes. You know, there's a crispness and a fruitiness with every sip. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, we don't want to give our listeners a false sense of what we mean by the fruitiness in this wine. I mean, those flavors are certainly there, don't get me wrong, but they are more subtle, I would say. And there's a complex flavor I'm getting. But as always, I can't (laughs) quite describe it just yet. You know, I, I think I know what you're sensing there, you know, that, that complex flavor, mm. you know. It's like you've had this wine before, but like you said, in the, in, you know, earlier that we really haven't talked about it a lot. You know, I think what you're sensing is this, the winemaker made another really important stylistic decision when he was creating this wine. He allowed it to age in the bottle for 24 months, mm. which when you look at the tasting notes, he explained that that's nine months longer than is required under the rules for a non-vintage champagne. So by extending that contact that the juice had with the, the, the yeast, you know, the cells were left uh, you know, from that secondary fermentation. It resulted in what I refer to and what I think what he said, what he referred to is this bread-like flavor, mm. right? He calls it a, quote, thick, crusted baguette, unquote. Oh, wow. Yes, that sounds amazing. You know, I wasn't quite there yet in terms of uh, that articulation, but that hearing the description makes sense because, you know, I was mentioning earlier that there's like a sort of buttery uh, smell to it, and I probably just attribute that straight to the bread. Yeah, I I think, you know, uh, you know, I I think we can think of this wine now as a a little baguette, you know, Mm. with some hints of lemon ginger marmalade and, and a smear of strawberry jam, Oof. right? You know? Yeah, oh my gosh. We're, we might be getting a little carried away with our wine descriptions, but um, it certainly isn't like a sweet marmalade or jam, but there's some essence there. Charlotte, yes, you are correct about that. It is a very dry wine. In sparkling wine terms, we call that brut, B-R-U-T. Mm. But, but this is one of those sparkling wines I love so much, it's really easy for me to get carried away by it. <laughs> you know, I'm extremely fond, as you know, of the wines from the Maryvale Vineyards. And this one is sourced exclusively from the Stanley Ranch Estate Vineyard, which is on the Napa Valley side of the Canaris area in the southern part of the valley. Mm. You know, I've seen this vineyard and its gentle slopes and the great or- orientation to the sun 
you know, makes it a quintessential area for Napa Valley grapes. Yeah, I mean, you 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 hit it spot on with the with the fandom for Maryvale. I mean, my glass right now is probably sitting on a Maryvale uh, coaster. Um, <laughs> but you know, we've we've been seeing and featuring exceptional wines all season, and they're at some great prices. So, uh, how much can our listeners expect to pay for a bottle of this specialty solstice? So so far this season, you know, we've been emphasizing wines that have been coming in under thirty dollars per bottle. But as a caveat, I mentioned at the very beginning of the season, we knew we were going to be splurging a bit on a couple of bottles this season, and this is one of them, right? When we recorded this episode, you could order Solstice online directly from the Maryville Vineyard at around $48 a bottle, Mm. which I still think that represents a good price point for this quality in a Napa Valley sparkling wine. That price point is in line with very similar selections from other wineries known for their sparkling wine, such as Schrumsberg and Domaine Carneris. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, when you think about a sparkling wine, you think about special occasions. You know, this isn't an everyday sort of wine. And so I think that that's, that's still totally reasonable. I mean, every time I've had Solstice, it's been in the context of celebration. So when you're thinking about it through that lens, I think the price point just, just makes total sense, even for uh, working for some of our audience. So it's an indulgent splurge on a delicious sparkling wine for when you're celebrating. You know, I think that's the best perspective to have. You know, sometimes the wine world asks us to indulge a little, and, and this is a great sparkler to indulge the next time you're celebrating a milestone, you know, which is maybe a significant birthday or an anniversary perhaps. Yeah, you know, you know absolutely. I, I will probably be featuring this at my next great milestone. Um, so thanks, Keith. We're going to take a short break really quick. And when we return, uh, it will be time for our pairing period. Keith's going to give us some suggestions for how to celebrate with solstice. Welcome back to today's show. We've reached the midpoint in season two, so we've been celebrating this milestone with the exceptional Solstice sparkling wine from Napa's Maryvale Winery. We're now in the pairing period portion of the show, and Keith has prepared some ideas for how to serve this sparkler at your next party. Before I get into the foods that work well with this line, I'd like to briefly address a question that I'm often asked when the subject turns to serving sparkling wine. Flute, coupe, or glass? Ah, yes. By all means, let's hear your thoughts on this sparkling wine puzzle. Flute, coupe, the shallower glass, or just a regular glass? So, like a lot of things in wine, the answer defaults to it depends. Oh, God. (laughs) The folks at Wine Folly suggest keeping a few things in mind when selecting your glass. A flute, which is a tall, elongated glass, keeps the bubbles tight in the glass and less escape. So that is most suited to the very dry sparkling wines, the brutes of the world. A coupe, which is the shallow bowl with a wide drinking surface, lets a lot of the bubbles escape, right? Mm -hmm. So that allows for a softer taste, and it is most suited for sweet sparkling wines. As for glasses, there are two main types for sparkling wine. One is known as a tulip, Right, which sort of has a, an oval bowl that angles quickly to a narrow opening. The other is called the wide tulip, which looks more like a typical white wine glass. You know, Both of these shapes are designed to collect the aromas and send them to your nose in an ideal way. So think 
tulip for rosé sparklers and perhaps an Italian Prosecco and have some wide tulips on hand for a deeply complex vintage champagne. Okay, mm -hmm. so that was a long-winded answer to say that I think a flute works very well for our dry solstice. And I didn't mention it earlier because I wanted to address it here in the pairing period, but we're drinking our solstice today out of some very nice Italian glass flutes that I found on clearance at a local shop, <laughs> right? They look great, but they were not expensive at all. Oh, yeah. No, they do look elegant, but, you know, here we're, we're balling on a budget. So, um, <laughs> you know, and also speaking of serving it, what do you have for me to pair with the flute? <laughs> right. So, you know, my go-to cheese pairing with a dry, sparkling white wine is a simple white cheddar, mm. right? The rich complexity that you get with cheddar it comes alive with the breadiness undertones that we talked about with this with this wine, right? And and one of my favorite party snacks is popcorn, <laughs> right? And and yes, I think popcorn is a wonderful complement to a sparkling wine. So together they make a perfect party pairing for this wine, right? You know, so during the break I place some white cheddar dusted popcorn in a bowl. So. Please take some and try it with this sparkling wine. Oh, I love the idea of popping the corn and popping the cork. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The wine. I'm going to grab some popcorn here. Mm. Oh, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> the cheese and the salt from the popcorn. Um, and the corn itself, you know, is bringing out that bright acidity in the in the sparkling wine. I was surprised because the mouthfeel is not what you'd expect at first. You know, the the cheddar popcorn and sparkling wine is not a combo I can say that I've had before, but it's great. You know, what a great party idea. You know, yes, it's certainly not a pretentious pairing at all, but I think it's a very delicious one. Yeah, right? I, I, I totally agree. I mean, if you're being more ambitious then just some party snacks, uh, you know, I will say I'm very content with the popcorn choice. But, um, you know, let's say you wanted to amp it up a little bit. Is there other foods that you'd recommend to pair with this wine? You know, uh, shellfish comes to mind immediately. And, and I'm going to defer to the winery itself on the specifics, right? Mm -hmm. They often host summer solstice parties at their winery okay. where they feature oysters, oh, hmm. both raw and barbecued and they pair it with this wine. And so I've been to Maryvale many times, but I haven't made it to their solstice party yet. It's on my bucket list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it sounds like I also need to add this trip to another uh, one of my lists. So, uh, you know, thank you for these, these pairing tips today. I'm not sure how many of us would have thought of cheddar popcorn and oysters as equal <laughs> pairings for this type of wine. All right, well, I'm happy to be of service here, right? Truly 4th of July-esque uh, right. pairings for this wine. So... Uh, before we go today, can you give us our give us and our listeners a hint for our wine selection next week? Yeah, you know, I love following up a party wine like Solstice with another wine suitable for a party. <clears throat> so we're going to be staying in California, but we're headed to Napa's neighbor, Sonoma Valley, and we're going to be in its gorgeous Russian River Valley. We're going to be drinking a nice rosé made by one of the area's premier wineries. Charlotte, you're going to be in for a treat mm. with this wine next week. Oh, man. I mean, isn't every week a treat on this show? <laughs> There's so much great wine. Um, so I'm super excited, and I can't wait for this rosé. So until next week. Yeah, thanks, everybody. 
Thanks for listening to Wines We Drink. Listen to our other episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Wines We Drink and on Instagram at The Wines We Drink. Cheers. Cheers.